0: section 6 of open the door this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by k hand open the door by catherine carswell book 1 chapter 5 part 1 1 two years passed in this way and when joanna was 20 and full of desperation she heard that Bob Rankin was coming to Glasgow for his Easter holiday. She had been seventeen the last time she saw her old playmate, he eighteen. Two years after his interview with Julie, Dr. Rankin's health had begun to fail, and after struggling on gallantly for a while with a colleague and successor, he had retired as minister emeritus to Tunbridge Wells, where he had a married sister. He himself had been long a widower he had hoped rather than suggested that bob should enter the ministry but the boy was set on being a mining engineer and on leaving school went to south kensington to study at the school of mines thenceforward his visits to glasgow had been rare but on the easter immediately following joanna's twentieth birthday dr rankin was sent to bad nauheim and bob came to stay with one of the oldest families of the saint jude's congregation the boyds of high calvin place From the moment Joanna heard from Mamie Boyd that Bob was expected, her imagination busied itself with the coming meeting. In her condition any excitement was welcome. But most welcome of all was an excitement that promised to bring nearer to her that great and solid world, in the existence of which she believed as only your dreamer can believe. Would Bob be much changed, she wondered, and gazing into her mirror she tried to see herself with his eyes. Would he tease her about her long skirts and her hair done up? She wore it in a fine shining knob now on the top of her head. It was wonderful how suddenly her lassitude gave place to gaiety. She recalled the little constraint that had arisen between Bob and herself during his last school holidays in Glasgow. How clearly she was able to relive it. They had started romping, as in the old childish days, but Bob's touch on her had brought a giddiness. He had tried to snatch a sketchbook from her, and she half pretending half really shy of letting him see her drawings had fought to keep it they had wrestled for it bob grunting with laughter when in the tussle they upset a small table covered with books until he got her pinned against the wall and she had to own herself beaten a tremble of pleasure went through her now at the feeling of his yellow tousled head so near to hers as it had been and his red laughing triumphant face there had come a sudden steadiness into his blue eyes as if he had observed something new in her or in himself. Then his eyelids with their pale lashes like veils had drooped and he had let her arms go. She had felt like water that runs swiftly over an edge of a rock that shivers in mid air before falling in a shaken dazzle of delight down into nothingness. And now she was to see him again. On the evening he was expected, she spent a long time over her dressing. She took a hot bath everything must be perfect and though it was only wednesday she put on every stitch clean she hoped bob would not think her dress too odd she had designed it and made it herself at the school of art and it was of thin crinkly apple green silk quite untrimmed she could not help feeling elated when she ran into her mother's room to see herself in the long wardrobe glass she felt sure the narrow apple green ribbon looked well round her hair but it was a trial that her cheeks became so easily scarlet she was thankful mabel was not to be in that night and the boys had gone to aunt ellen for easter there would only be her mother while still in her mother's room joanna heard the doorbell ring and she listened throbbing while the visitor hung up his hat and crossed the tiled lobby to the parlor at the back of the house how was she to go down to enter the room but after all it was astonishingly easy and when they had shaken hands firmly and were talking hard she asked herself what she had been afraid of it was like the jump out of the parlor window long ago the same relief the same slight trembling afterwards bob's hair wasn't so yellow as it used to be in this light it was the color of ashes his voice was the same though soft almost lazy and he still grunted funnily when he laughed his eyes joanna could not bring herself to look at his eyes after the first encounter She looked instead at his hair, at her own hands, at the fern-case by the window, in which her mother cherished delicate little plants. And she heard herself chattering freely about the school of art, and asking Bob all about London. But in the depths of her confused heart she knew it was not like old times, however hard both might pretend it was. At the very first glance something must have happened between them. Otherwise why could she not look at Bob? And why did he never, for a moment, stop looking at her? She wondered at herself for having imagined he would laugh at her for being grown up. She could not now have asked him what he thought of her hair. She had caught a glimpse of her new self in his eyes, and under her chatter she felt lost and troubled. But it was a sort of happiness, too, this breaking the life in her out of the cold confines. At tea the mother's presence was a respite. Joanna was like a child again, hiding in her mother's skirt and peeping out from that refuge at the too persistent stranger. She tried hard to collect herself if bob would have spared her only for one minute but then all of a sudden her lips curved into a smile and from that moment she smiled uncontrollably she would have given anything to hide her burning smiling face there was panic in her breast and to recover gravity she tried to think of the saddest thing she knew she thought of the crown of thorns but this was useless especially when julie was questioning bob about the presbyterian churches in london only when she looked up and found herself in Bob's waiting eyes did Joanna stop smiling and then her breath went from her and after tea came prayers prayers at Colessie Street took place without respect of visitors and generally Joanna resented this with bitter ennui but tonight everything was different she did not know what she looked for in the coming act of worship but she felt it held something hidden for Bob and herself till then they would both be in suspense When the servants had come upstairs and were in their places near the door, Julie opened her Bible on the half-cleared tea-table, and with a short prayer that God would not let his word return to him void, she began to read the passage for that evening. Joanna, with her spreading apple-green skirts crinkled as petals that are folded in a poppy bud, sat very still on the worn leather sofa, and Bob in an armchair faced her across the hearth-rug. She seemed to him like an early spring flower, and his eyes, young and disturbed, never left her. As for Joanna, though she gazed steadfastly aside at the crumbling coals, the young man's presence was putting a spell upon her. The space between them vibrated unceasingly, and there was magic for both of them in the familiar unheeded poetry the mother was reading. Even Julie's interpolations as she read the Bible had no power this evening to irritate her daughter and as if knowing this she lingered to her heart's content on the precious phrases explaining them to the servants and drawing the sweetness from each word before she passed on poor julie after a day of small desperation she now came to refresh herself at god's footstool with an eagerness that made her quite blind to what was passing beside her half an hour hence she would be staggering once more under her burden but for this blessed space she was laying it aside with deep-drawn sighs of content may god bless to us his holy word let us pray at this signal the servants rustled starchily from their seats and Joanna and Bob stood up it was the moment Joanna then knew for which they had both been waiting as her mother and the servants knelt before their chairs she raised at last her full eyelids and with his whole being Bob held her glance it was only an instant that they stood thus but to Joanna it seemed an age Then Bob crossed to her side, and trembling, they knelt down together at the sofa. As soon as they knew by the modulations of her voice that Julie's prayer was in full flight heavenwards, the boy and girl, so far as they could for nervousness, began to look into their new situation. In her own agitation, Joanna made no allowance for Bob's, but his was the greater. She felt rather than saw that his right hand lay palm upwards close by her left elbow on the rubbed leather sofa. It lay waiting there dumb and humble for hers she was thrilled by this but at the same time a little spasm of disappointment passed through her why could not Bob take her hand simply boldly was it not the man's part here was she ready at a touch to give all that could be asked for but swiftly that moment passed after all this was Bob's way of asking and she had never been asked before besides though she did not guess at his shy terror Joanna could read aright the urgency of his desire the knowledge of this set an abrupt flame leaping in her she became wooer as well as wooed with averted face and eyes obstinately closed she shifted her weight wholly on to her right elbow and her left hand released slid down and laid itself on the patient hand beneath timidly she gave herself yet with fullness palm to palm and bob clasped her in a rapture of gratitude with his first touch she was flooded with happiness but at his kiss She became dreadfully conscious of her knuckles, which she felt must stick out hard against his lips. If only she had hands like Georgie's, with soft dimples instead of knuckles! How she wished to be perfect for him! 2. After all, she had only a few minutes alone with Bob before he left the house an hour later, and even then they were not secure from interruption. Hardly had they risen from their knees when Mabel came into the parlor, and though Joanna tried afterwards, she could never recollect her cousin's excuse for this unexpectedly early return. All she could recall was the picture of Mabel looking up at Bob with her coy, curiously liquid gaze from under the brim of her hat as she took it off. But Bob had no eyes that evening for anyone but Joanna, and after some talk, suddenly, as if he had that moment remembered something, he said he must be off. Joanna went with him to the lobby and stood watching his rather blundering actions at the hat-stand. In his acute self-consciousness, he fumbled like a blind man. The two did not speak for a few minutes, partly from shyness, partly because Mabel had only just disappeared round the bend of the staircase, leaving the parlour, where Julie still was, with the door open. But, to Joanna's delight, Bob, in a low voice, began talking to her in double-dutch that she herself or georgie or the boys should ever forget their old secret language was of course unimaginable yet she had not dreamed that bob would remember it bob a grown man who had gone out into the world joanna loved him for it and she blushed at him bright with grateful surprise joey he whispered as he tugged on his waterproof can't you come out for a minute i'll try breathed joanna in return and she wondered at her calmness making this her first appointment with a lover I'll wait at the corner of Byrne Street, where we used to play Peaver, said Bob. How long will you be? I'll come as quick as I can. I'll wait a half-hour. Promise you'll come. I'll come within ten minutes. All right. But remember, I'll wait half an hour. She opened the door, and he went out. They had not touched each other since they knelt at the sofa. They were waiting. Joanna shut the door, and for a moment stood suspended, uncertain. Her pulses raced, and her brain was working swiftly. She was afraid to follow Bob at once. From the outside the front door could only be shut with a bang, and she knew her mother would run out at the sound, and standing on the steps would call to ask her where she was going. That she could not have borne. But she feared still more to go into the parlour or upstairs, lest her return to the lobby should be somehow prevented. So she hovered in the dim hall, resting on tiptoe, ready for flight. She listened with sharpened hearing to the sounds in the house. She ought to go and change her thin slippers, but Mabel was still in the bedroom. Joanna could hear her moving though she was two floors distant scarcely half a minute had passed but in despair she was sure bob must be tired of waiting he would be gone he would think she didn't care it was terrible half frantic she pulled on the blue woolen tammy which was on the hat stand and threw a short old tweed cape round her shoulders then passing the bottom of the stairs and slipping quiet as a shadow down the long tiled passage she looked into the parlor julie was there standing burdened by the table With one uncomfortable hand she clutched some little flower-glass which needed fresh water. With the other she held up a newspaper. Something on the printed page had caught her eye just as she was leaving the room, but not for the world would she relinquish duty for enjoyment. It was like her, thus, to tax self-indulgement with physical discomfort. "'Mother, I'm running to the post. I'll be back in a minute.' Joanna rattled out the old, old formula in a colorless voice and was off, not waiting for an answer before her mother had taken in her words she had fled the house she went the length of khaleesi street like the wind then feeling safe she made her way more slowly towards the place where bob would be waiting three some clock was striking the last strokes of eight but dark had scarcely fallen it had been a wet afternoon and though the streets were drying rapidly now under a sounding wind they still held pearly reflections of the pale torn sky where the moisture stayed in shallow pools it was like the high light on round white pearls Where the shadows of the tall houses congregated it was like gray and black pearl soft clouds gray as doves drove slowly across the luminous sky the universe was washed clear of color and the world through which joanna sped light-footed might have been one of those dim pictures in which children take delight pictures that lie scattered by the thousand on the seashore and are so cunningly painted on the pearly inward of each deserted shell and though along the whole vista of dark stone street there was no tree the emergency of spring made itself felt as surely as in any country woodland certainly the young woman in each pulse and duct and pore of her body was alive to the season's clamor she was unfurled like a flag to the wind of spring for the first time since she had lain by the margin of the upper pond at duntarvie she found herself able to look full upon beauty without grieving in the interval there had always been a discord between herself and her apprehension of beauty outside herself sunsets the faces of flowers the evening star raised steadily like a torch above a screen of cloud these had been hardly endurable always lacking the consummation they called for but tonight she felt at one with the whole earth's loveliness for she was desired and her lover awaited her coming at the appointed corner bob in his shabby waterproof moved to meet her let's go down there shall we he suggested and, with a nervous movement of his chin, he indicated the hill that plunged downwards on their right. There was no one else in the quiet street but a lamplighter who scurried on in front of them, lighting the yellow lamps one after another, till he turned a corner, and with the coming to life of the lamps, as by a miracle, the world was flooded with transparent, wonderful blue. Now, thought Joanna, as they reached one of the flights of stone steps in which places eased the steepness of the hill, now he will tell me he loves me. Surely the moment had come, the moment for which all her life she had been waiting. When they were gone down the first flight, Bob jerked out his arm and just touched the back of her cape. It was as if he meant to unfold her. But instead, losing courage, he dropped his hand and took hers, pressing it with an abrupt, terrified action against him. With the back of her fingers, Joanna could feel the hard outer muscles of his thigh through his waterproof. Thus joined, they went on more slowly across the paved landing to the top of the next flight joey do you really care he whispered this was something altogether different from her imaginings but not for anything would Joanna let Bob think she judged him besides there was an appeal in his muffled voice and in his dimly seen face which moved her yes she returned in small bereft tones of course I do then fearing this may be the wrong answer she added if I didn't I shouldn't let you hold my hand and she gave him a timid beseeching look bob stopped glancing swiftly up and down the steps still never a soul far far below was the foggy incandescent track of the new city road with its crowds its passing cars full of light and its sordid glare of shop windows made beautiful by distance but up here the two of them clinging together in the dark blue middle air seemed suspended on a ladder between earth and sky a frail ladder that was shaken by the traveling wind "'Will you kiss me? Just once?' he pleaded, drooping his head towards her. This, again, was not of the pattern of Joanna's dreams. Had she been all wrong about love? Well, if she had, it was her fault, not love's. She must still believe and follow where love led. So she turned her obedient face to Bob, and he bent shyly down to her. He was completely surprised by the rich surrender of her lips, she no less amazed by the bashfulness of his. "'Is this the first time anyone has kissed you?' The question slipped instinctively jealousy from him the girl's heart leapt in response to that yes she replied with joyous truthfulness the very first time I'm glad he said in the little pause that followed Joanna felt that it was her turn is it the first time you have kissed anyone she asked ignoring as he had done the fact that all the virility of their first intimate touch had been on her side It isn't the same for a man, Bob told her, and a smile flickered across his face. You mean you have? Joanna was intent, and her real unconscious hope was that he had kissed many women. Only once, and it was not like this at all. It didn't count, really. Joanna was silent for a moment. She tried to feel disappointment that she was not the first. But now you'll never kiss anyone else, she exacted. Never, never again. I shan't want to, Bob assured her no but promise i promise there and now kiss me again you kiss me this time ventured joanna with a daring that shook her she felt a new recklessness of response and this time as he pressed her lips more manfully a kind of drunkenness crept up behind her eyes yielding to it was like plunging down and down forfeiting one's identity losing the power of sight bob's features became indistinct and dreamlike "'How wonderful your lips feel!' said Bob solemnly, as if he were reading out a text in church. "'Do they?' Joanna felt them with her fingertips, wondering. "'I love your hands, Bob. I was looking at them at prayers,' she said in return. But she did not tell him that it was because they reminded her of Gerald's hands. "'Tell me,' he asked her presently, when they had walked some way on in silence. "'How long have you cared?' and joanna floating in a rosy haze was easily harmonious at the cost of truth I must have cared for years and years without knowing it she replied happy in pleasing him and you I suppose I must have too I wonder what makes you like me Bob I think it's because you are so gentle so they strolled homewards lying sweetly to one another and their own hearts for love's sake till they came to the bridge which led across to high Kelvin place here Bob stopped, saying he would see Joanna home again, but before turning back, they paused, leaning on the parapet of the Hing hung bridge, and they gazed down in the wooded bed where the river was only betrayed from time to time by the snaky gleam to the right, rose a sheer escarpment of stone, and towering yet higher behind it, tier upon tier of flats full of windows seemed in the darkness to be a dense forest screen hung unevenly with barred many-colored lanterns to their left ran the low crescent of shops like a necklace of gold and brilliance curved in a velvet case and with the colored lights of a chemist a great ruby and emerald for its central gems and above them across the great moist arch of sky so candid and pale an endless volume of cloud streamed up like smoke from the horizon how lovely everything is murmured Joanna, entranced, and she longed for Bob to take her in his arms, and with her all the wonder of the night which was in her heart. But he seemed in a dream, and as they returned hand in hand to Kalesi Street, she felt there was a shadow over him. He himself could not have named it, but he was beset by that dread of young men, the dread that he would never be able to earn a living. He was working now, he told her, for an examination in the autumn, and much depended on his passing it. That he was going up for it at all he owed to his father's sacrifices and what with this and with his father's illness Bob was oppressed and fearful he broke it to her that after the examination he would be going to South Africa one got on faster abroad and he longed to pay back his father without delay it would mean of course that Joanna and he would have to wait for years to be married but not for so many years as if he stayed in this country the question was could Joanna wait for him Yes, Joanna could wait, a lifetime if need be. She showed him shining eyes of assurance. She was gluttonous for sacrifice. And would she not mind keeping everything a secret from other people for the present? To announce it would only distress his father needlessly. Besides, until he had some definite prospects, he would rather have nothing said. Joanna agreed almost rapturously to everything, though the situation as it unfolded struck some unacknowledged misery into her. She declared that he was not asking anything nearly difficult enough for her. She wished to be put to the hardest tests. Indeed, Ba was a little taken aback by her eagerness. Were women then so easy to win? Her capitulation seemed as complete as though it came at the end of a long siege. When he gravely kissed her good-night she surprised him again, though herself still more, by pressing her body with a swift wildness against his. It was only for a delirious instant that she leaned so but later, as she lay awake thinking over what had happened, it was upon this instant that she dwelt most of all. For her it was the astonishing jewel of the evening, yet even so she did not let herself look closely and directly into it. Her choice was to keep it vague and veiled, and she hid it forthwith in the inner shrine of a temple not made with candles. Four. Though Bob had still a fortnight of holiday before him, the summer session at Glasgow University opened the next day, and Joanna and Mabel went together to the anatomy class at three o'clock. Joanna had promised to meet Bob afterwards, and at ten minutes past four she was racing towards the gate of the Botanic Gardens where he waited. Escaping from Mabel had not been easy, but she had managed it somehow. She distinguished Bob's figure from a distance, though he was standing with his back to her, And she wondered how it was that with all men so much alike one's lover should be so unmistakable he was at the entrance to one of the glass houses which with their squatting opalescent bosses are like breastplates of mother of pearl under the bright lift of the sky that seemed to have burst upwards through tatters of brown cloud the world showed a shouting violence of color yet it was the lassitude of spring that assailed the two as they strolled about the hilly red paths of the garden they talked disjointedly and with uncomfortable silences in which joanna found herself drifting irresistibly into solitary dreams they passed some stunted stone pines that laid their dark heads together in a conspiracy their black tufts and tassels showing in japanese detail against the sky and by the side of these bandit trees a company of beeches stood like nuns so detached and pure were they in their pallor joanna thinking these things found herself again and again inattentive to what bob was saying Still unlinked, they descended to the Kelvin by a long, winding flight of timber-edged steps cut in the steep earth of the ravine. Quickly the sunshine was left behind, and they dropped into the damp, shrubby gloom. Then, mounting the slight wooden bridge so arched that it had slats nailed across for foothold, they stood in the sunlight once more and looked down at the stream. Among the willows leaning top-heavily over the swollen current, some of the longest twigs were already threaded with silver. The water kept catching at their drooping ends and letting them go again. Two grayish swans stayed themselves on the swirling surface. The rank grass was sprinkled with a few scraggy hyacinths. Joanna wished it was more beautiful. "'I say, Joanna,' said Bob, and something in his abrupt voice made her search his face quickly. "'After all, I wrote to Dad this morning to say that—' "'Telling him about you and me—' "'But I thought—' began Joanna in concern—' Yes, I know. But afterwards I felt that if it got round to him and I hadn't told him, it would hurt him. Besides, well, I told George Boyd last night. We were sitting up talking by the fire. You don't mind, Joey, do you? It was really because I'm so proud of your caring about me. I don't see why I should mind, replied Joanna unsurely. It was you yourself that said. I know, admitted Bob, and I still think we ought to keep it to ourselves as much as possible. George has promised not to say a word to anyone but with Dad, so anxious about me, and ill, and all that— His voice trailed off weakly. I'm afraid he's pretty bad. The doctors don't seem too hopeful. Even at the worst, it will most likely be a long business. Bob gazed with gloomy, rather foolish eyes upstream at the anchored swans and bobbing willow slips, and a nerve in his cheek twitched slightly as he spoke of his father. Joanna looked at him, and far down in her heart came the perception that he was no use to her. But never, never would she admit it. Her eyes rested on his sensitive, too-short upper lip, and, remembering the night before, she found she could conjure up again that curious, drunken feeling behind the eyeballs. "'Bob,' she whispered, moving closer to him. "'Yes.' He slipped her hand with his into his pocket and looked aslant at her. "'Promise me—why, of course you must love him if his touch made her voiceless. Promise me you won't stop loving me whatever your father says.' and Bob promised. But Joanna scarcely listened now. So long as they stood linked ever so slightly, the stream of her being ran full and sweetly, and Bob, too, was at peace. 5. Joanna had shown her drawings to Bob, and he had admired them, and she had made tea for him in her new studio that she was so proud of, though it was only a little drafty attic wedged under the slates of a high block of offices in town and now, as they sat there at either side of the tea-table, a wicked silence sprang between them. It had not been wicked at first, it had simply been rather wretched. Neither had seemed to have anything more to say. And while Bob fidgeted with his cigarette, Joanna had let herself slip under a spell of inertness. But wickedly, after a few moments, she had begun to wonder how long, left to itself, the silence would last. At first she could not, now she would not break it what would Bob do? She waited, her hostility increasing instant by instant, till she was perfect in hardness against him. And when he sprang up as if to him the situation was no longer bearable, a little cold, satisfied flame shot up within her. But she was unprepared. And when Bob strode to the back of her chair, thrust his hand under her armpits, and jerked her roughly to her feet, it shocked her like an explosion." For a second she stood outraged and quite still where he had put her then wrenching herself from his hold she walked to the window without looking at him bob followed and they both stood staring out in consternation at the chimney pots and the knotted meshes of telegraph wires you hurt my arms said joanna in a queer muted voice why did you i didn't know i'm sorry he too sounded strangled she glanced at him but could make nothing of his face She had hoped to find strength there, but she saw him, bewildered and quivering, cheated of his manhood. "'Truly I'm sorry,' he repeated. "'Somehow I couldn't bear to see you sit still a moment longer, never thinking of me at all. Kiss and be friends, Joanna.' He eyed her guiltily, and guiltily she went into his arms. They had not before felt so close to each other. End of Section 6